2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 1. And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and a third part under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite. And the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die, will they care for us. But now thou art worth ten thousand of us. Therefore now it is better that thou succor us out of the city. And the king said unto them, What seemeth you best, I will do. And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. The Bible does not record for us what, how many were in David's army. And I think uh, that is significant. And that is because I believe from what I understand, Absalom's army was far greater than David's army. But it really doesn't matter how much of a crowd you can gather if you're in rebellion against God. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. So the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. And the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And Absalom met the servants of David. And Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under the thick boughs of a great oak. And his head caught hold of the oak. And he was taken up between the heaven and the earth. And the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it. And told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee, and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself wouldest have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing after Israel. For Joab held back the people and they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him. And all Israel fled every one to his tent. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar which is in the king's dale. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name. And it is called unto this day Absalom's 
place. You may be seated. I want you to look back for just a moment at just a few verses in the 17th chapter that really set the context of this chapter. Chapter 17 of 2 Samuel, if you will, and verse 24. Then David came to Maenaim, and Absalom passed over Jordan, he and all the men of Israel with him. And Absalom made Amasa captain of the host instead of Joab, which Amasa was a man's son whose name was Ithra, an Israelite that went in to Abigail, the daughter of Nahash, sister to Zeruiah, Joab's mother. Amasa actually was David's nephew. So Israel and Absalom pitched in the land of Gilead. And it came to pass when David was come to Maenaim that Shobai, the son of Nahash and of Rabbah of the children of Ammon, and Maker, the son of Amiel of Lodibar, and Barzillai, the Gileadite of Rogelim, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pus and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind for David and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said, the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. I want us to look at chapter 18 and the verses that I just read just a moment ago here in chapter 17 that set the context and preach on the sad end of Absalom. The sad end of Absalom. Let's pray. Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts, we pray, Lord, for those who are sick that cannot be with us. And Lord, we ask you, God, to give them a conscious touch of the great hand of God in this hour. May your hand, the hand of the great physician, be upon them this evening. May they be consciously aware that they have been touched by God. And Lord, may the good reports come back. We pray also as well for those lost that we prayed for today and even tonight on the intercessory list. We lift them up to you and ask you, God, to allow us a token for good. Give us, Lord, the first convert very soon from that list and challenge our faith again and again to pray day by day for these. And now, God, as we look in into the Bible over the sad end of Absalom. I pray that you'd put a fear in our heart, the fear of God, lest we should rise up in rebellion against you, against your word, against your will, or against your way, against your authority, or against those that bear the authority of God in their life. I pray now, God, that you'd challenge us and change us and feed us and fellowship with us now and give us the communion of the Holy Ghost as we preach now and we'll praise you for all that you do for we ask it in Jesus name. Amen and amen. As you look at this section that we just read tonight, I look at the sad end of Absalom here in the passage that we just read a moment ago. The record of his life reminds me of what the wise man said in Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 11. The Bible said an evil man said Seeketh only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. An evil man seeketh only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. I suppose there's probably no chapter in all of the Bible that so illustrates Proverbs 17 and verse 11 as the one that we've read tonight. From the very time we begin to read about 
Absalom in the Bible. From the very first instance in the scripture when he sent his servants and set up the man named Amnon to be killed, we see his crooked life wind through the record of the scripture all the way through the days when he sat at the gate and he sowed discord in the hearts of the citizens of Israel. And in this chapter, we're about to see his rebellion and the pathway of his rebellion come to a very, very sad end. In fact, the final chapter of Absalom's life is here in 2 Samuel chapter number 18. It's a very sad way for someone's life to come to an end in a pathway of rebellion. And yet his his life bears out the testimony that God will not allow anyone to take the path of rebellion and not suffer and face the consequences of it. He reminds us of the fact that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. In fact, the Bible teaches us in James chapter 1 and verse 15 that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And so Absalom had charted this course. He made these choices in his life. His course of deceit and rebellion and his untimely death is recorded here in 2 Samuel chapter number 18. There are two monuments to Absalom's life in this chapter. This and the record of the scripture that God placed for you and I are given for a warning to every one of us. There's a great pit in this chapter and there's also a pillar in verse number 18. The pillar is what Absalom raised up in his own day, a monument to himself about his own greatness. He was willing to advertise for himself. He has no honor in life and he has no honor in death. That is, that pillar that is raised up in the king's dale is a monument to his own pride. He set himself up a pillar so he could advertise his own pride. And then there is also the pit. That pile of stones that covers the pit is a testimony and witness to the rebellion and its consequences in his life. He's buried out there in the battle of his own rebellion. And the stones mark a memorial of Absalom's rebellion. Sadly, as a prodigal, he never really came home to God. He lived in the far country and he died in his rebellion against God. And so in this chapter, I want us to look at three things. And in the surrounding context of chapter 17, I want us to look at two companies. There's two armies. There's the army of Absalom, an army of rebellion. Then there's the army of David, an army that is united under the royal throne and the anointing of God and God's anointing. God's chosen king. And then there's two camps. One of them is set up in a place called Mahanaim. Mahanaim is a very historic place. And that's where David pulled up there and God set a table. Hallelujah. In the very presence of his enemies. And then there's the place called Gilead. And that's where Absalom and his troops set up camp. So let's look tonight, first of all, at the two companies. 
Absalom and his rebellious army, and then David's army, which is under the leadership of those three captains that are mentioned in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 2. Absalom appointed a man named Amasa. The Bible lets us know that in 2 Samuel 17 verse 25. Now you'd be surprised at how these men are all very closely related and that makes this situation all the more sad. Absalom appointed Amasa to lead the army in the place that Joab would take as he leads the army of David for the king. Absalom the rebel was essentially setting the whole country against the authority of David and engaged in a civil war in Israel. He wanted to take David's throne and he wanted to dispose of David's life. Ahithophel had already taken his own life. And so now Absalom and his army are set up so they can take David's throne and take David's life and take David's kingdom away from him. And so in this passage of scripture and in the one that follows, you'll notice that Absalom's army are called this. They're called the men of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 24. They are called all the men of Israel. And the Bible said here in this passage of scripture that these are also called Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 6. The scripture said, so the people went out into the field against Israel and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim. And so those that are following Absalom in rebellion are called Israel and the men of Israel and those that are called David's army are called David's servants. Amasa, David's nephew, was placed over Absalom's army. Amasa also is the cousin of Absalom. Can you imagine this? These men are fighting against, not only against David, but they're fighting against their own family. It is sad that this war, which is a result of rebellion in Absalom's life brought son in the conflict with the father. That is David and Absalom are at war with each other because of Absalom's rebellion. And then it brought uncle in the conflict with the nephew. David and Amasa were at war with each other. Cousin against cousin. Absalom against Joab. Citizen against citizen. Israelite those that remained in Jerusalem have now set themselves against the army of David's servants and against David's mighty men. I want to say they underestimated this great man for God. And Absalom set the whole kingdom into an uproar. And before it was all done, at least 40,000 Israelites laid dead in the wood of Ephraim. And it's so sad that rebellion leads down such a path as we read about just a moment ago. Now later on you'll find out this, that David would pardon Amasa when he went back to Jerusalem. 
But Amasa didn't live long because Joab met him in the process of putting down another rebel that rose up in the kingdom. And Joab met Amasa and grabbed him by the beard and put a sword into his guts and set out his bowels. And Joab was a bloodthirsty man. And he was also in many ways an untrustworthy man in the days ahead. He killed Amasa so he could take over the army of Israel. And so we see in this passage, Absalom's army. And we also see David's army. That is found in 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1 through 6. David's army would be composed of thousands of loyal warriors. Even his mighty men that would stay with him throughout the days of his reign. And we don't know how many thousands there were, but we know there were thousands in the division of the warriors in this chapter, chapter 18. When they came out, they came out and he divided them up by hundreds and also by thousands. And so David's army was divided under the ranks in verse 2 of chapter 18 under Joab and under Abishai and under Ittai. David, a great warrior for God, knew this terrain that they were going to be warring in. And he separated out his warriors up in the three different companies at this time. And I really believe that God so intervened in this battle so as to preserve the king in his place and also to put down the rebellion of Absalom. And so when we look at David's army, we know that David had every intention of leading them to battle. The Bible said in 2 Samuel 18 and the last race, I will surely go forth with you myself also. And yet David's loyal men said no. David, if they kill you, they won't care about us. In fact, David, thou art worth 10,000 of us. David, you stay by. And so David met his warriors as they got ready to go out into the conflict. And he gave them specific instructions. In verse number 5 of chapter 18, And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And the Bible said, and all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge concerning Absalom. David gave very clear instructions. That is, deal gently with my son. Did Absalom deserve it? Absolutely not. Did David command it? Absolutely so. The instructions with Absalom and concerning Absalom were very clear. The only one that would not follow the instructions was Joab. And it's important for us to recognize that Joab did not follow the instructions of David concerning Absalom. A nameless servant in this chapter discovered Absalom hanging from a tree. 
most likely by his hippie hair in that tree. The very outstanding feature that he prided himself in, his thick, long hair had caught him in the heavy bows of an oak. And this nameless servant refused to take Absalom's life. The scripture said in verse number 11, he said, otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. Joab said, why didn't you kill him? He said, because the king gave us clear instructions. He said, I don't want to put my hand on one of the king's sons. Oh no. He knew what David had said. He valued his own life. He said, I should have wrought falsehood against my own life. And then he said to Joab essentially, and I don't trust you either. If I had killed him, you'd have probably turned me over to the king as the murderer of his son. And so he said, I value my own life and I don't trust you either. Amen. And he had good reason to do so. And so we see in this passage of scripture, not only are there here two companies, but there are also two camps in this section of the Bible. There are two different places where these armies set up. Now listen closely. In this passage, David is at a place called Mahanaim. 2 Samuel 17 and verse 24. Then David came to Mahanaim. Mahanaim, the name itself, means two camps or two hosts. And it takes us back to Genesis chapter 32 when uh, Jacob was going to go back and try to meet with his brother Esau. It was at Mahanaim that Jacob saw some of the angels of God and had an encounter with angels in Genesis 32 and verse 2. And he called that place Mahanaim, a place of two hosts. And the implication is this. First, there's Jacob's family, the family in the royal line and in the messianic line, the family, my friend, that have been chosen by God. There's the visible host of Jacob. And then there was the invisible host that encamped round about Jacob. Oh, I bless the name of God. You can't see it tonight, but God has an innumerable company of angels that are encamped all round about his children. Oh, I bless his name that I'm able to live in Mahanaim and that the hand of God is able to encompass round about us and the angels of God are able, hallelujah, to protect us. Amen. And so David in this place called Mahanaim is met there in chapter 17 and verse 27. And it came to pass when David was come to Mahanaim that Shobai, the son of Nahash, of Rabbah, of the children of Ammon, and Maker, the son of Amiel, that was Mephibosheth's friend, that housed him for so many years. And Barzillai, the Gileadite of Rogelia, brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind. And the Bible lets us know that David encountered some friends in the wilderness. Glory to God, Jacob met angels. David met friends there at Mahanaim. And God spread a table before him in the presence of his enemies. And thank God those warriors were going to need this time of refreshment and this time of sustenance. They were going to need to sit down and gather food and take bread together and refresh themselves 
before this great battle took place. Oh, I'm so thankful, hallelujah. Our God is right on time. He knows exactly what we need, hallelujah. He's never a moment too early and never a moment too late. He knows how to set a table in the wilderness. So God set a table for David here in the wilderness and turned the tables on the devil and on his crowd. And I think the Lord God can still turn it around. In this chapter to me, in my mind and heart, as I read and meditate and observe, I've got to tell you there was a vast difference between David and his heart and Absalom and his heart. There's a vast contrast between David and his son Absalom. Absalom stood in the gate in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and essentially said, you know what? I'm going to attack my father. I'm going to undermine his character. I'm going to sow discord in his kingdom. And essentially, I'm going to try, if I can, to attack him in every way. He later, here, goes to battle. And he tries to destroy David and his army. He has every intention of seeing his own father die on this day. Now, what does David do? David stands in the gate and he instructed his leaders to show mercy to Absalom. That's quite a difference, is it not? David had every intention of showing mercy to Absalom. And yet Absalom had nothing in his heart but rebellion and malice and hatred. And so we see not only in this section two companies and two camps, but we also see a tremendous conflict. This battle is one that is arranged in such a way that God has amazingly worked because Absalom is at Gilead. Now, Gilead, the name itself means hill of testimony. Hill of testimony. And Absalom and his men encamped in Gilead. David's at Maonaim. Absalom is at Gilead. Now, listen carefully. This area belonged to Reuben, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh. Absalom followed the counsel of Hushai. You remember that Ahithophel said, let's do it this way. And Absalom and the elders of Israel said, let's hear what Hushai has to counsel. And they took Hushai's counsel to meet David in the wilderness like this instead of following Ahithophel's counsel. Now, unfortunately for Absalom and his troops, a lot of David's warriors came from this place where they're going to fight in battle. A lot of David's warriors and his troops came from this area. So now Absalom has to fight David on the territory that these men knew very well. God knows how to turn the tables on the devil so that Absalom and his crowd had to fight David and his troops on their own territory. So there's a tremendous conflict that ensues in this chapter. And to me, I think it's some of the saddest verses in all of the record of David's life. This conflict this day set father against son, cousin against cousin, uncle against nephew, and citizen against citizen. 
It is literally in every sense a tremendous battle that is characterized as a civil war and a great price has to be paid. Don't ever mistake it. That rebellion always has a tremendous price. David and his army take casualties and Absalom's army takes greater casualties. In this passage of scripture in verse 7 of chapter 18, on one day, Absalom's army suffered casualties of 20,000 men. And then, along with those 20,000 men, the ruggedness of the terrain of this area devoured more people that day than the sword devoured, according to verse number 8. So we know that many more died at least 40,000 men died this day because of the rebellion of Absalom who set his will above the will of God. The first thing we see is the heavy casualties. Secondly, we see helpless Absalom. Absalom's riding on a mule. And by the way, that was a steed of royalty. In fact, when he rode on this mule, one of David's loyal servants saw him in a certain area of the forest that day. And he reported to Joab, behold, I saw Absalom hanged in an oak. He went under an oak with that mule and caught his head in that oak. And he's hanging there helplessly, helplessly hanging above the ground, waiting for someone to come along. How simple it seems. You would think that he would die as a valiant warrior in conflict against David's men. But all God used was a handful of tree limbs to catch him in his rebellion. How simple it is that the rebel is hung by his head in an oak and the height of the battle is about to end. Joab comes along. Joab has the same orders as Abishai and Ittai, but he doesn't follow the instructions of the king. And I want to say this tonight. If you cannot follow instructions, you should not be an authority. The Bible teaches here that Joab scolded this servant for not taking Absalom's life. He even mentioned that he would have given the man a reward. He would have given him 10 shekels of silver and he would have given him a girdle, which is a, actually a soldier's belt, which would have been a tremendous honor for him in that day. And these gifts would have been such a token of honor that to turn them away made a great statement in this servant's life. Thankfully, he thought more of the king's commands than he did Joab's honor that would have been conferred. Here's what he said in verse 12. Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, what would it take really to buy you off? What really would it take? Ten shekels of silver? Would it take some ornament of honor like a soldier's girdle and 10 shekels of silver? What would it take to get you to lie or to cheat or to step aside from character? This man said, though you gave me 10,000 shekels of silver, I would not put forth my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai saying, beware that none touch the young man Absalom. He said, David gave us Specific instructions. And so Joab took three darts and went and found the king's son. And in a very heartless way, he first shot the darts into Absalom's heart. 
Now, he had no authority to do so. We may try to use human reason and say, well, he deserved to die. He needed to die. That's not what David instructed, though. David was in charge of the army, even if he was not allowed to go to battle. He had given these clear instructions. What he was instructing them to do was what he desired. It was the will that they should have carried out. And his servants also joined in in the killing of David's son. The Bible said in verse 15, And ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. That is, the armor bearers of Absalom finished him off. And they took him from that place, verse 17 said, and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him. And all Israel fled everyone to his tent. Now heartless Joab has had his way. This is not the last time. We're going to see as we go into the chapters in the future, this man who could not be under authority could not really be in authority. And eventually he had joined a rebel band against David. So we see then there are messengers sent from this place to David. Hurried messengers that are going to bring tidings. One of those messengers was Ahimaaz. Chapter number 18 and verse 22. Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, but howsoever he said, let me, I pray thee, also run after Cushai. Cushai was the other one. David is sitting at the place where he's waiting on word about the battle. These runners are coming through the wilderness. One said in verse 27, and the watchman said, Methinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and cometh with good tidings. We know that Ahimaaz did not actually give David all the facts that he was looking for. It could be that Ahimaaz did not know. I'm not really certain as I look at the passage closely. Then Cushai came, who was sent by Joab. And the Bible said in verse 31, And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? He asked the question two times. He asked Ahimaaz in verse 29, and he asked Cushai in verse 32. And Cushai answered the enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And these messengers brought the final message that Absalom was dead. Cushai brings us the final fact that David was looking for, and that is, is Absalom really safe? No, Absalom was not safe. Joab had shot him through with darts, and the other armor bearers had taken his life. And David goes up into his chamber. Bible said in verse 33, And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept as he went. Thus he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee. O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. I believe that David wanted to try to somehow see Absalom come to a place of repentance in his life. Unfortunately, Absalom wanted only rebellion in his heart. I believe David shows the broken heart of a parent whose child has not only rebelled against him, but also rebelled against God. He didn't want his son to die in rebellion. 
It broke his heart. In fact, his grieving almost set the kingdom in an uproar because his soldiers who so valiantly fought for him were fearful that he mourned too much for Absalom and did not honor them for their valiant service for David. Absalom died without mercy on the battlefield of his own rebellion. David's heartbreak almost overwhelmed him. Yet we see the sad end of Absalom here in 2 Samuel chapter 18. Let me read that text again. An evil man seeketh only rebellion. Therefore a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. And Absalom certainly received a cruel message of judgment in this chapter. We see the sad end of Absalom. This is not the end of trouble in David's family, but it is a great amount of trouble. David has lost several children by now. And I want to tell you the heavy sword of God's judgment hangs over his house. And yet we see him not desiring Absalom's death, but desiring Absalom's repentance and desiring to extend mercy to his rebellious son. Let's stand with our heads bowed tonight.